You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Neo Tokyo is about to explode. Streamlined Pictures presents a state of the art adventure. Akira. Everybody and welcome once again to Geek Fest Rant. My name is Carlos Perone, and joining me I have Steve this time around. He is here to help me tackle one of the landmark films in the genre of anime, Akira. Now we've briefly mentioned this film once before, but this time around we're hitting it straight head on uh, with Steve, who is a big, big, gigantic fan of this particular film. So let's get started. What did I teach you? You are the Duke of New York. You are a number one. You will not laugh. You will not cry. You will learn by the numbers. I will teach you. Can you dig it? Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That spawn of Satan. <laughs> oh, really? The Force will be with you, always. All right, as I said before, we're going to have Steve here. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hey, Carlos. Hey, everyone. Well, we are going to hit a topic that a long time ago, I hit it with someone else, but it was pretty broad in terms of we did a, uh, I believe we did a special on anime, but it was like a general anime to kind of, it was almost like a 101, like basics of anime. We didn't go deep into anyone and we didn't go into one specific movie. We kind of did a, a very broad, you know, stroke at anime. And one of the ones we did mention was Akira, because Akira is, you know, one of those pillars of, I guess, most of the stuff that nowadays you know, we could see, and it's being even influenced, 
you know, across, you know, the sea. In other words, we're being influenced by Japanese films and, and our influence kind of jumps back and goes back and forth. But this is one of those big ones. Tell me, Steve, how did you either hear of this or got involved with this movie or anything like that? <laughs> uh, this is yeah, a long time ago. Like this, this is 88. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah. This is, I was all one year old. Yeah. This came out, so, <laughs> so um, but I, I obviously heard about it, you know, you know, when I was much older. Um, and and, and I, I heard the name tossed around, but I was never maybe back around uh, middle school. Um, uh-huh. I started getting more into anime and, you know, Japanese animation. But I was even then, I was never really too into it. But I would just hear the, you know, the name Akira thrown around, and but I never really gravitated to it. I'd, I'd always be you know watching like Gundam Wing or something, something more action oriented, right? Um, something that was on you know TV a lot. So when I heard about it, I just sort of heard about it and then never sort of you know actually committed to watching it. And it wasn't until like a few years after that, but and back until um, I believe my early years in high school it was when I sat down and watched it. And I, my first reaction to it was, you know, what is it? Like, what am I watching? <laughs> like, because it, it was so different than any of the other anime I had previously watched. And it had a different tone to it, a different feel to it. And, and that's to say, also, just to preface this, I'm not really a huge fan of the genre of anime to begin with. Uh-huh. And I don't, I don't believe you are as well. So um, and how did you first come about it? Well, when I used to go to conventions in the late 80s and uh, I guess even early 90s at some point, anime in general was always there. And, and, you know, you had these tables full, completely packed with VHS tapes. And I would look at them and I'm like, I have no clue what this stuff is. I'm moving on to the next table. But, the, the you know, the poster for Akira and the name Akira and, and, and copies of those VHS tapes were always there. But at that point, I wasn't really ready to take a, a dive into, into exactly what anime was. I would say probably in college, that's when I probably started kind of dabbling with anime, especially with, and then we talked about this before, the Laserdisc market. The Laserdisc market was the, you know, before DVDs, before Blu-ray and all that stuff. It was kind of like the film snob format of being able to watch movies, you know, watch them in widescreen, trying to argue with people about pan and scan versus widescreen and all that stuff and going to Blockbuster and telling people, don't pick up that. You got to get the widescreen one. And the people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Get out of here, kid. You know, that kind of stuff. But this was one of those movies that, uh, you know, in, in, in the list of, well, you know, if you're into laser discs, you got to try this. This is from Japan. I was like, Ooh, what is this? And yeah, by the time I saw it, I was, again, I was older and a couple of things struck me uh, from the movie that I kind of recognized that I might have seen somewhere else, or, or at least it might have some influence. Because a lot of times I always hear about how Akira influenced a lot of stuff that we see now or even in the, in the last 20 years, which is true. It did influence a lot of stuff. But I always, for whatever reason, I always thought everything came from Akira. So I'm thinking, oh, Blade Runner, this is like Blade Runner. Look at a, look at the streets, look at the city. I was like, wait a minute, Blade Runner was 82, this is 88, this is the other way around. So that was one of the things that I always kind of stuck. It's like, it's got some Blade Runner in it. It's got some weird visuals that I can only attribute them to Blade Runner. The other thing was those motorcycles, especially the, you know, the hero motorcycle. Oh, yeah. That thing yeah. is just amazing and the only other time I've seen such fancy futuristic motorcycles is Tron. So again, I'm going back to 1982 again. And it's like, okay, maybe there, there, there was a little bit. I know there's a scene in the beginning where the motorcycles, I think, I guess it's at night and they're leaving a, like a trail behind of their light. The light, so it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so it's, I, I, I know it's not a, a real trail, but it's got that Tron trail look thing to it. And it's obviously it's supposed to be the, like a flare, the flare of the light. 
So I, I you know, those type of things, I, I, you know, kept coming back to me. But this is, like you said on your initial reaction, this movie is... It's a little strange, which let's try to see if we can kind of talk about the plot. And one of the things I find in general, let me just say this, you know, when you're dealing with foreign films, foreign films are different in in more ways than just the language. There's different pace. There's a different pace to certain foreign films. The humor is different. The acting is different. Now, granted, this is animation, so this is even weirder because, you, you know, you're not dealing with live subjects. But one of the things I notice uh, with with Japanese films, uh, whether it's a Godzilla film or or a more modern film, even like a, a Yakuza film or or even something like this, complete science fiction, there is this prominent theme in one way or the other of nuclear war or the effects of nuclear war or something related to nuclear war, which is something that I think culturally has been kind of stuck with Japanese films, which, how could you blame them? That's part of their culture. They, you know, they, they got to experience it firsthand. And, you know, whether it's Godzilla coming to destroy your city, who's powered by radiation, you know, the atomic power radiation, or something like this that is completely, like, crazy, crazy sci-fi, you know, world building and, and having all these powers and, and manifesting and destroying completely, you know, entire cities and killing a lot of people, you know, I, I kind of see that. But let's, like I said, let's try to figure out the, the story. Wh- wh- what would you say the story is? Also, just the first time watching this, I had no idea what the story was. It wasn't until later on, like, <laughs> you know, sort of, okay, I can see, you know, in perspective. So, so basically, the first beginning of the movie is very quickly set in 1988, actually. And the, from the first scene, you see a nuclear bomb go off in the middle of the city. So that right there sets the tone of, okay, <laughs> I see where this is going. So, and then it, once you see this, you know, silent, very heavy scene of this, you know, a bomb exploding in the middle of the city, it jumps forward about, um, until, until actually our time period right now, the 2019, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. And so Tokyo itself, the city has been completely wiped out. It's now been replaced by like this sort of fringe city called Neo-Tokyo. Yeah. And sort of, it's sort of, you, you, you can even describe Akira as being sort of a dystopian future, really, because yeah. it has a very dark, dystopian feel to it where you know there's like civil unrest everywhere the the opening the opening scene of this movie pretty much sums it all up the setting because you see there's like this civil riot going on between like these protesters and like the government itself but it's not the the type of uh dystopian where it's like mad max type of it's it's very organized and it's very they recovered from whatever happened but things are still not exactly right. The crime something, is insane. Something feels off about the, yeah. the time period. Like there's something where it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not like civilization's wiped out and like there's no lawlessness everywhere. It's still a city. It's still a, a government. But it's, it just it feels like you know a sort of like tangential sort of history of what yeah. would happen if a society was sort of you know wiped out, taken out by you know uh, uh, something as devastating as an atomic bomb and how they would react to it. And you, and you can definitely make the case where this is. Sort of, um, I, I guess, as you stated before, where Japan has like this sort of fearful respect, I think, for technology and weaponry and bombings and everything, as opposed to a lot of the media that we have here, where 
a lot of the science fiction of the time was more based on, you know, how great, like, you know, like Star Trek, you know, these big ships, and it was very optimistic. Very optimistic, It seems yeah. like, and like Star Wars, it, it seems like with, especially with this movie, where it, it, it's the complete opposite, where technology in this, you know, world is very, it's almost frowned upon, you can think of, think of it as. It, it, it just seems, it has this very dark overtone to it. So, yeah, so so this movie definitely has a different, a, a different tone, and a different, like, view of technology. So there's sort of, like, you know, street gangs you and again the opening scene is just pretty much setting the scene where you have a whole bunch of you know younger kids they're sort of a sort of rebellious state against you no know, sort of a gang sort of a, yeah yeah and, and you know i mean even people who aren't in the gangs you see like these riots kind of breaking out in, in the streets so that's the general setting of it and now the story itself focuses more on a specific gang and there's about three or four main characters that you would follow and the the main character is Canada and he's uh, you know this you know rebellious kid you know sort of a you know very angsty and he has his friend Tetsuo and his friend is a bit more of a, I just want to say he's more of a follower. He, he kind of is more subservient to, to Canada. But, and, but they're played upon each other as, you know, they're good friends. Tetsuo is trying to prove himself in this, in this biker gang. So he, he does some sort of like crazy chase sequence where there's another rival gang and they sort of fight each other. And Tetsuo gets into a bike accident. He crashes his bike into this kid who appears in the middle of the street. Right, right, right. And you see, you know, this big explosion, and Tetsuo is basically thrown from the bike. Kanada and his other friends catch up with him. They try to help him up, you know, to see if he's okay. And you see there's a scene where all these, like, military helicopters come in. They land, they, they surround the kids, and they take Tetsuo, who's injured because of the accident. They take him on board, and they basically take him, say, screw off kids, and they basically take him away. Right. And so you and you don't see Tetsuo again for a bit. The movie then focuses on Canada and how you know what happened to Tetsuo, and everyone's pretty confused. They don't know what's going on. So it comes about that the government sort of had like these crazy experiments on Tetsuo, and they sort of put him into this program with these other uh, the other kids who are even younger than him. They're younger, but they they look very old, and and their their oh, yeah. flesh tone is like very dark, like very like gray green, and it's like they look like little zombie old men or something. They're weird looking. Yeah, the, the kids who, who who are also part of this um, government program, they're you can tell like they're visually they're young, but well like stature wise, and you know they come off as children, but yeah, yeah like like you said, their skin is wrinkled and pruned, and they have, they have like these like grayed hair and everything. So you can tell they've, they've either been, you know, experimented on to a point where, you know, they stress their body to complete, you know, old age almost. But they're capable of kind of communicating and, and kind of leaving their environment and, and interacting with certain people, I guess, without uh, without the government knowing. They're they're kind of, I wouldn't say completely free, but they're they're kind of poking their head out there to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the thing is, like, the government is, is obviously experimenting on these kids. And so each one of them sort of manifests these sort of different powers. But they are sort of, I don't, I don't know if they're hiding it or they have like some sort of extra ability where they can sort of, if they if they wanted to, sort of go beyond what the government is trying to, you know, limit them to. Right. It, basically, it comes down to one character who's like this colonel in the, in the army. 
and he's trying to sort of harness their power to sort of either use it as a weapon or or just at least just harness it so that they could like I guess use it in some sort of military capacity. And basically, they want to incorporate Tetsuo. They also have like this sort of reference to a, a fourth child who would who would have been known as Akira, uh-huh. and hence the name of the his name of the movie. And Akira is supposed to be this sort of deity, sort of Deus Ex Machina type yeah, character who yeah. is. And this, and this is where you can get really the, you would have to watch this movie to, to really see what I'm talking about. But the visuals in the movie are very very striking. They have they have very like sort of cyberpunk slash you know fantasy. It, it, it's a very hard movie to pin down. But basically, the, the colonel would would want to sort of wake up Akira, so to speak, because he's this this sort of dormant child who's been buried underneath Japan, basically, sort of hidden away. And the colonel would want to sort of reawaken Akira to unlock its sort of power. And they they also mix a lot of the the cultural, I guess, at the time or even now, you know, you could see sometimes you see like foreign news reports and you do see like these religious, I don't know if religious cults or religious groups that they kind of cling on to other stuff and like the riots and they're talking about terrorists and they're talking about you know not even not being able to control the the crowds and that kind of thing and how these groups all of a sudden they kind of join something else and they're like part of another group even with the with the military and, and the soldiers how they like the the guy you were just talking about how at, at one point he even betrays his own bosses and goes on his mission on his own you know it's like it's it's different it's different we're not used to seeing it in that played out in that manner yeah and, and it's a good point you bring up because the, the whole like theme of that I, I, I've, I've i've watched this movie a lot and the whole theme is just everything is crumbling like like you see there's there's many many shots in this movie about like you see like the crumbling buildings of like yeah. the old tokyo you see like the infrastructure is crumbling the, the government itself is crumbling like there's a many scenes of the colonel who's gathered with, it's not their Congress, but it's sort of like their uh, parliament type. It's like a it's committee just, that's in charge of something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and But that's like, they have like their sort of like finance officer who and everyone's sort of bickering and fighting with each other. So like that's like crumbling, you know, the lower levels of the city itself are, you know, in disarray. The characters themselves, even the uh, main character, like, like um, uh, the, the main cast of characters are not like nice kids and they're not like, you know, cute people you want to really hang out with. No, it? like even when the movie starts, like the two gangs, and I know that like, like the clown gang, they're the real nasty, nasty ones. But even Canada's gang, it's like they're a bunch of lowlifes. They're all a bunch yeah, of lowlifes. Yeah, the girls like, that are hanging out with them, they're, they're a bunch of lowlifes just like them. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I It's hard to... And again, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or you're meant to not like them, but I couldn't connect with any of the characters like, oh, he's the good guy. Little by little, Canada becomes the the good guy in a way because that's the closest thing to a good guy because he's the one trying to help his friend and stop the, the craziness that's happening. Because the movie kind of turned... I mean, if you want to be... If you want to be really brief about what's this movie about, it's it's like it's it's a monster that's growing out of control. It's the it's the yeah. it's the Frankenstein monster, really. That's it's you know it's at first it's 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 contained and very little, and he still has his humanity, but little by little he loses his humanity and he goes wacko. He goes out of control. Yeah, and and and, and to put it into I guess uh, an analogy, I guess would be if you've seen the movie Chronicle recently or yeah. something like Brightburn. Oh, where I just it, I saw Brightburn. Yeah, I saw Brightburn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's when you can you put in some 
like that that's sort of the summary of what you can the, the gist at least of what the movie you know the main plot of the movie at least yes. um and I, and I think even even as weird as anime gets i think even back then in the 80s anime then wasn't at even this like out there and weird like this is the beginning yeah this is the beginning this is the start yeah definitely because even at the time this movie was looked at as like wow this is but it grabs like i said it grabs a little of everything you know like like i said i could see the at least with the settings and the and the um the the set set design i mean granted it's animation but set design i see so much of blade runner in this and it's again it's 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 like the snake eating its own tail because again Blade Runner is supposed to look like Tokyo at night and this movie is Japan and you know and a lot of it at night so it's which came first I don't know it doesn't matter it's all the same thing you know it's yeah, really yeah. weird and, and, and oh, just just to let you know this is also based off a of manga as well like of uh, uh, a, a, a very a very thick huge manga so and Ooh, it was just like, that, was, it was just that like, did that come out before blade runner that came out that came out in uh i have it here that came out in i, I actually have, have the, the copy <laughs> there you go this is copyright 1982 ah so we're still good with blade runner <laughs> yeah 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 so it's also a movie that's obviously adapted from the manga so and the manga is some 2000 pages <laughs> so it, it's it's huge so there's a ton they had to cut from the movie like wow. I, reading the manga a lot of the stuff, a lot of it doesn't even make its way into the movie at all. So much of it is just tossed away. Which Does it make more play. sense or is it just more of um, this crazy all over the place type of stuff? It's a lot more of the craziness, but there are things that sort of go, they go into a lot more detail with like Kanda's personal life and uh, like his um, his relationship with Tetsuo that gets, and his relationship with his other friends. That gets really dived mm. into a, a lot deeper. And the whole resistance too, like they have like the whole like it's like this uh, resistance movement basically that sort of trying to go against you know the the, the, the very, experiments and the government. And yeah, yeah, the very totalitarian government, and that gets touched out in the in the in the, uh, in the manga. One of the things that that this reminded me of, and obviously some other things came later when I finally read Watchmen and how the end of Watchmen goes completely berserk crazy with the big giant monster thing. This kind of reminded me of that. It's like, how crazier can you get? I mean, this is just, it's just, it's a whole other world. You're dealing with a completely different way of, of, of demonstrating, you know, the powers of this thing. Yeah, that's actually what I actually really actually like about the, the movies, where it starts out very, like, small, you know, about a small group of kids, basically. And from there, the movie just, like, like a balloon. It just kind of, like, expands outward. And you start out with, like, you know, just a four random punks basically and from there the story like spirals out until by the end of the movie literally it's about the end of the world and some sort of you know monster baby mutation oh, you know yeah. so i i really enjoy the way it, it, the scope of the movie changes from very micro out into the more macro level you know film now i don't know what kind of rating system they use in japan or at least used in this time but this is a this is a hard R kind of film at certain it's scenes. It's like a horror movie, like yeah. There, there, there's a, like a Superman type of film where you you know theoretically hundreds of thousands of people die because of these gigantic explosions that take out buildings and whatever. But there's also some like kind of creepy, weird stuff. There was a scene where where the gangs are uh, attack. They're assaulting like a girl. And all of a sudden, there's like a topless shot, and they punch her, stuff like. It's like, ooh, this feels kind of weird for this kind of film. But it's again, this isn't Disney. This is not 
these are not supposed to be for little kids, I assume. So, it, it, you know, it's, this is a more more adult material. And I think that same girl, if I'm thinking right, she gets killed later in the movie in a horrific, horrific way that I'm like, yeah. holy crap, they did that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, sort of takes me, it, it took me by, by surprise as well because I'm watching it. And I was like, oh, wow. They, 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 I, I thought it would be some sort of, you know, maybe like some music implied or something. You no, know, like, it, it was completely out there. It's like, there it is. Or are they going to kind of have her come back because everything's okay? At the, no, that she's, she's got, no, yeah. she's toast. And, and even not in the way of any sort of sexuality, but it, it, there's one shot where after they, after the government has, I just say government, I should say military, because there's two, there's two yeah, different. Yeah, it's a little confusing. Yeah, the, yeah. After the military captures Tetsuo, they put him in like sort of like this testing um, hospital, really. And uh, there's one scene where he breaks out, and he's sort of like his powers are sort of you know manifesting, and he breaks out of the his his room, and there's these doctors around him trying to calm him down. And there's this scene where he like sort of like amps up his powers, where he like rips, shreds the 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 doctor yeah, apart. Yeah, he shatters everybody to little yeah, tiny pieces into, into, into like chunks of meat. And yeah. like, you see him like you see it all like falling from the ceiling and everything. And it's it's all animated, just so you know, fluidly and graphically. You know, it it, it really is something like. It sets its tone and the stage for when other anime to come down the road, which, yeah. for better or for worse, again, for me, my relationship with anime is like it's so much of it is just so over the top and crazy, and too much of it is just so you know like oh let's draw you know let's do this for you know for the shock value. But it's again, it's a different culture, and and even forget the forget a film, but just anime in general, from what I understand. The standards for anime are, are very, very broad and loose in terms of sexual uh, material and violence. That's something, it's nothing new. That's just the way these things have been for for a while. And I don't know exactly how it all started. Because I know they like, for example, those type of things, those type of subjects, you know, obviously our experience is whatever we see here. So we judge everything based on our standard. Right, and right. for example, from what I said in England, they're much more open about sexual subjects but they kind of pull back more, especially in the past, in violence. They don't like to show too much violence, but they're okay with more sexual tones. Japan, on the other hand, they like the, both at the same time. You know, they don't have the kind of restrictions that we have. Granted, we, you know, we've changed quite a bit in the last you know, 20, 30 years as to what we like to show on a regular film. But anime, from what I understand, has always had, not, not so much anime, but manga had that, that, that thing where it's like, whoa, this isn't for kids. This is something else. Yeah, it, it sort of seems, and I could be off base on this, but it, it seems like anime itself was sort of like the the because japan for so long had been you know especially after the heels of world war ii and you know going to the 60s where it sort of like was more reclusive and pulled itself back it seemed like in the 80s especially when it came to like manufacturing and where they were becoming a lot more sort of the center of the manufacturing world yeah. at one point um it seemed like it's like you had this like cultural sort of you know rebirth really and they were becoming more exposed you know and more you know outward with their i guess sexuality and and violence and everything and it seemed like it sort of spawned around like you know the 1980s but yeah because it's weird because here in the, in the states from what from what i understand you know sexual themes and, and that kind of thing kind of exploded in the 60s you know when you had the you know the hippies and feminism and all that stuff that's what kind of kind of loosened the reins on you know you're watching a 1950s you know i love lucy and then you have easy rider and stuff like that there's a big difference between those two kind of things 
But with, with Japan, you know, I've always thought of Japan as a very repressed, you could say part of it might be the government and part of it might be the people. They just like that, you know, quiet, we don't like to talk about these things, this is private, you know, that kind of, but then when did it happen that everything kind of went off in that matter, like you're saying, was it the 80s? Is that when everything, what caused it? Was it the, the all of a sudden the influx of money coming into the country that People were like, okay, here's what I've been thinking about all this time. I'm going to show you exactly what I've been thinking about. You know, it could be because a lot of times that's a lot, you know, a lot of those things happen that where you have certain cultures that are stereotypically very repressed in terms of, well, they don't do this or they don't talk about that. But guess what? Behind the scenes, that's exactly what they're doing, just like everybody else. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know exactly where that took place. Yeah, and and uh, I guess that's one of the good things. I guess one of the things from anime, I guess, that you could be taken away. It seems like it's that's like an outlet for a lot of like their more repressed, um, you know, yeah. normal day to day social lives, where it can come out in their artwork and everything, in the art and the art forms and everything. So I guess that's one of the side, you know, and from someone who I, I really really enjoy this movie and the manga. Um, I guess that's something that's sort of like um, uh, can be a can be considered a good thing, where it sort of is someone obviously who would feel more repressed and you know not as uh, easy you know to open up you know in their social lives, they'd be able to express this in a sort of um, more artistic way. Right, because I mean, I don't, again, I don't know, like for example, music in Japan. I don't know if uh, you know you could kind of say here, you know, we have so many different types of music styles and again things like sexuality or even violence it is represented in music you know the way certain people present themselves and and the type of things they sing about i don't know if japan is the same i don't know if they also express themselves artistically through music you know with these subjects or is it kind of is it more isolated to to a visual mean one of the things i actually i forgot to mention actually about the uh the original manga where you you, you mentioned is some sort of differences between the manga and the anime. The, the manga also delves heavily into drugs. It, oh. there's, refer- there's references of it in the movie where, you, because if the the main um, gang of uh, Akira, if you notice, they have um, they wear jackets. He's got a pill in the back. Oh yeah, yeah. Has a capsule. And their their biker gang is actually called the Capsules. But drugs and this sort of like hallucinogenic stories are heavily into the manga. <laughs> and it, it, it comes and goes into the anime. You don't really see it's not really focused on. You see like one scene in the beginning where he like takes like a he takes like um some pills where he asks the bartender, Do you have any pills? That's right, that's right, yeah. yeah. And even at the later yeah, later on when he goes into the bartender He's asking them for. I thought he said clappers or clappers or some, something like some we weird capsules. Yeah, capsules. Yeah. yeah. Now the uh, the other thing is that uh, we 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 were talking about earlier. There's always been chatter of turning this into a live action American film. Oh yeah, yeah. And, it's been and, going on for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. And one of the names that I remember hearing was Keanu Reeves because again, you know, he's coming off of uh, the Matrix and all that stuff. And again, the snake is eating its own tail. The Matrix. It goes back to Japan, and it comes back to us, and it goes back to Blade Runner, and it comes back to us, it goes back to Akira. You know, it's. I know that's a it's an easy name to kind of throw around there as a you know a possibility, but recently, and we we did mention Watchmen. How this? I remember. I remember everybody again. I'm not the biggest fan of of the whole Watchmen phenomenon, but I do remember everybody always saying this movie's impossible. You cannot make this movie. You cannot take this comic book and turn it into a movie. It's completely impossible. Do you think this film can have that same problem that how do you, first of all, you have to rewrite, again, for American audiences, 
you have to rewrite this to shreds because you cannot, I don't think you can go into so many of those different places that you did in this movie. Is it conceivable that you could turn this into a movie? I think it would be it would it would face now an, like another challenge because first I think making this huge volume and this book into an anime itself was a challenge. Making it into one movie was a, like one animated movie was already a, a big challenge. Are you saying this should be a miniseries? Is that what you're that saying? Is, it should be yeah, a Netflix or an HBO. It should be a Netflix twelve part miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, visually, there's no problem. We've seen what was that movie we talked about. Uh, last ghost, ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. We know this is conceivable. You can do it visually. The question is, can you turn the story into something that American audiences would understand and accept? I was getting to that. I think so. Now, I think so. I think if you would have said this maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I would say, no, it's not gonna, uh-huh. it is, they're not ready for it. <laughs> I think now, though, that this sort of story and this sort of setting has sort of been seen now before it's been more of accepted like like with the matrix ghost in the shell you know um chronicle like the whole cyberpunk sort of dystopian future has been introduced already so i, I don't think it's that hard of a sell mm-hmm. to uh introduce now to audiences now rather you can adapt it well and it, rather it will flow as well as the anime did uh, that's something else um, i'm not sure if you can squeeze as much into a live action movie like this as you could with the anime. Mm. Like, uh, I'm not sure why. Like, I feel like the anime had an easier time squeezing this much content into the movie as opposed to live action. I think it might be a bit harder to, to do for and 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 get, to get mainstream audiences to buy into it as well. Well, yeah. For I would imagine for a typical two-hour movie, you would have to strip away a lot of the extra characters, a lot of the governmental different groups that are kind of fighting amongst themselves. This would have to be, you know, the, 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 the young gang member who's running with the bad boys who, who, for whatever reason, wants to do the right thing now. Whether it's a girl or whether it's his friend or whatever it is that makes him want to go straight. And then you throw in the big, like I said earlier, the Frankenstein monster. The, his friend that all of a sudden is exposed to some kind of weird genetic thing that turns him into this monster ravaging the city. And then this, you know, like a like a like a Godzilla thing, where the 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 government, the army can't stop him. It's up to his friend, and and the friendship is what you know, love conquers all type of thing. You know, <laughs> that's what I imagine they would do with something like this, because they would, I think they would completely strip away all of the cultural Japanese things that we see, you know, taking place in the movie. Yeah, I think I, th- I think they would, and unfortunately, I think that would sort of neuter the movie. It, it would sort of take away that the main theme of, of that I feel is very intrinsic to the movie. Like, and just to touch upon this as well, another big factor in this movie that I really love is the music. The hmm. the music here sort of plays like a second part to this movie, it, and and it's done by a group called the Yamashiro Gumi, and it's sort of like '80s synth slash. Indonesian tribalistic hmm, beats. Like, like it's a it's a weird mashup, but it's it, like I have the soundtrack. This I I I bought the the CDs, the vinyl, and, and I have you know the whole soundtrack you know downloaded. It's it's probably <laughs> one of my it's probably one of my favorite soundtracks. Now, aside wow. from like you know the great Star Wars, this is probably one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Um, because is it as like this very like earthy vibe to it and it's it, it's like it blends the the, the the technology with the more 
human elemental aspect to mm-hmm. it. It's very, very unique. What about, do you have any collectibles, any merchandise uh, having to do with this film? There is a McFarlane set of, uh, of toys. I, yeah, I, is I, it the, I, the, the motorcycle? And, the and, motorcycle and, 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 and Canada himself. Yep, yeah. I got those. I got them in my, they're in the garage somewhere. <laughs> I have Canada here, but I never got the bike. I, I, oh. I, was, I, was, I, was, hunting, I was hunting for the bike, but then I, I, I lost interest. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, 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 every so often, I'll like... That's funny. I, could, I, I don't remember buying them individually. I thought they came in a set. No, no, I'm pretty sure they're individual because... Huh. Um, yeah, I, I think Canada and Tetsuo come together, but the bike is literally oh. the, the bike is literally separate. The bike is, know, is, is I, its own package. I only have those two. I have Canada and the bike. I don't have Tetsu at all. Huh. That's weird. It, unless maybe unless maybe they were released, maybe they switched the well, release. Well, sometimes release. they do individuals and sometimes they package together, so it's possible that they, that they it's possible, went that but, way. Uh, yeah, I've only seen the bike by by itself. Like it's, it's weird. It's like a, just a bicycle, you know, and a, a blister. It, it's a very iconic. Yeah, yeah. He's got the oh. most uh, futuristic of all the all the gang member bikes. The other ones are more like modern, you know. Yamaha, yeah, they, they, they're, they're very like the, the, the character design is very like so it's stereotypical what you would think of in the 80s you know so like that like cyberpunk you know like, like the cutoff jackets and so like yeah the- but it's weird because i know i i i remember seeing a piece in the news about japan and how they have these uh these like rockabilly biker gangs and it's like japanese kids that like to dress up as 50s american kids <laughs> in bikes and it's like how does that work? And they're listening to like Elvis. It's like, what? How do, I don't get that. It's so strange how yeah, certain I, things I, stick and certain things don't. Yeah. We, we have like a whole bunch of things from Japan. Like, like we love over here. And your kids over there are like, oh, okay. Like, what's what's wrong with these people? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yes. Yeah, so, so, so like it all comes together to be like this. So such a creepy, disturbing movie, really. Like the artwork the, and the animation itself should be noted as well the animation here is i think today still holds up oh very yeah well. and the it's, action sequences are so clear they're not just jumbled messes they're they're clear oh, you it's it's cinematic how these things it's like you're watching a, a marvel film like some of these buildings exploding and things fall, toppling over and that kind of stuff in my earlier reviews of it like I, I just wanted to like really note the fact that how like animated everything is like, like if you really look at it you'll always see something like as this camera is like on one you know seemingly you know f- f- one frame that's kind of like you know not a lot of motion going on there's still like small little bits of detail sort of you know in the background like if, if one of the scenes that stands out is when the colonel sits down like on a sofa something very you know mundane the sofa like the cushioning around him sort of you know <laughs> is pressed in and it, it's things like this that the motion in the movie like the animation is so fluid and it, it, everything appears to be always moving it's the, the tin the detail is is just amazing. And it's, we, we had yeah, we hadn't seen and back again back in '88 or even the early '90s. You know, we hadn't seen something like that yet. This was brand new. It's again, it's it's almost like watching a John Woo film for the first time in the '90s. You're like, wait a minute, this is different. There's something good here. I'm not sure what it is, but it's different. And this is this is what happened with this film. It was like all of a sudden, it's like, oh. This is how we have to do this now, and they, and everybody kind of started copying. I think yeah, know, this yeah. particular style. Now, did they ever make any sort of sequel to this story? No, the, the, I mean the manga ended in 1990, so it, it lasted only a few years after the movie. But I don't think it really I continued. It, it basically finished where the movie ended, basically. So oh. it, it was it wasn't yeah. So 
So it wasn't anything like a continuation of the story or, or anything like that. And that's another thing I really like about this, is the fact that it, it was never like, as much as I love Star Wars and I love, you know, Star Trek, but a lot of times franchises get dragged on, you know, <laughs> past the message that was supposed to be intended in the beginning. And and I, I, I love Star Wars to death, but it's sometimes like the original movie, the original intent is sort of stretched out, you know, past how it was actually intended with, with akira it seemed like it wanted to say something it said it and that was it, it, yeah. it, it there's was no need to to go back to like oh well what happens after the the mutant you know after tetsuo you know evolves no it's, it's just it's it says peace and it and it, and it finished from there so which is something i really appreciate well, at this point, I guess, you know, we like like you said, we're, we're probably not going to see any sort of sequel, whether coming from Japan or even even America. But something tells me sooner or later they are going to adapt it. And who knows what direction that will go? <laughs> because, you know, yeah, we, no, we, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's going to be a more mainstream, a more mainline mainstream, you know, sort of action, you know, hero versus big bad type. Big monster um, type yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you again for uh, for coming in and, and helping us uh, with this one because this one, uh, I know it's one of the ones you suggested, but it was like, yeah, this is a it's it's a landmark film, you know, and it does have you know some background to it that you know didn't just come out, come out of nowhere. And I would say to this day, it's still influential enough that you know we we kind of still see this popping up in modern anime. Yeah, yeah, and not even in modern anime. There's still there's, there's references to it, you know, and early sort of themes and you know overarching storylines that, that still pop up. So it's definitely not only contained to anime anymore. It's, it's definitely been the zeitgeist, so to speak, has been sort of uh, oh, yeah. felt outside of it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Steve. Hey, no, thank you, guys. Take care, everyone. Well, just as we were pretty much done putting this show to bed around that time, news came down, and this was a number of weeks ago, this was probably around the time of Comic-Con, probably around the time of the announcement of the Marvel slate during Comic-Con, that Taika Watiti had dropped out, or at least they were putting on hold, any plans on him directing Akira. Now, yes, Akira had been going around many times before, and we talked a little bit about it during the show, how Keanu Reeves at one point was attached to it. Well, apparently, more recently, uh, Warner Brothers had tried, once again, to try to revive and to adapt this particular film. Apparently, back in 2011, director Jean-Colette Serra, not sure what the track record of this director was, or is, uh, Warner Brothers had looked into the possibility of having this director take it and go in a completely different direction. And instead of making it a very Tokyo Japanese kind of story, you know, that Neo Tokyo setting, instead making it in the US, which kind of goes a little bit in, uh, in the direction of what we were just talking about, of trying to, to Americanize this film. This is back in 2011. So obviously, a lot of things have happened since then as far as other films that have come out. But what's really unusual is the fact that at some point, yes, at some point, Watiti was involved in reviving this particular film and trying to make a new version of it. And what's a little strange about it is that because he has been coming off of mainly comedies, which is his staple, especially with the Thor Ragnarok, which was this huge, you know, hit, all of a sudden, you know, making the Thor movies uh, even more exciting than before, you know, 
having the feeling that sooner or later he was going to do something else Marvel-related, most likely. Uh, he was also a potential candidate to maybe do some of the Guardian films, you know, when James Gunn was kind of taking off those projects, even though now he's kind of back on the project. But he would have been a perfect candidate you know to to tackle guardians in case you know they were they were still looking for somebody but obviously not anymore but yeah he apparently at one point got attached to akira which leads us to think about well how would that have worked in other words akira is not a comedy and if this guy's strength at least now is comedy i don't see how they could have adapted it and what tone this movie would have taken this is a this is like a hard r kind of movie uh, as far as i'm concerned unless this was going to be his his serious film you know his attempt at a, at a at a very very serious film so it comes as no surprise that because you know he is now going to direct the next thor film following up to his own Thor film, that this is now being put on the shelf. I, I believe the, the official word from Warner Brothers is that it's being put on hold. I don't know if it, he necessarily completely has exited the project or what, but it kind of brings us back to this whole thing of this is one of these projects that just, you know, cannot seem to get off the ground in, as far as a live-action version of it. I mean, obviously... Japan could make their own version of this movie. You know, nothing's stopping them from doing it, uh, unless it's a rights issue. I don't know. The fact that Warner Brothers seems to have the rights to do it, I don't know if that's a that's part of the thing. Uh, but yeah, it's not incredibly uh, shocking that all of a sudden, you know, poor Akira is back on the shelf again. Well, I'd like to thank Steve uh, once again for joining me today and helping me go through this film because. It is not as an easy film to go through. It is very adult as far as I'm concerned, even though it's anime. And anime, you know, for people that are not familiar with anime, they could just dismiss it as, it's a cartoon, it's animation. No, 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 no. We talked about this once before when we did our basic, you know, our, our, our introduction to anime. Anime is a completely different art form. Some is for kids, yes, there are some very kid-ish kind of versions of it, but... The big, heavy, heavy, heavy hitters are adult. This is a medium that is used for adult kind of subject matters. And in the world of specifically science fiction, man, these guys go deep and, you know, they earn their R rating a lot of times, you know, when it gets translated, you know, for American audiences. So thanks for listening and we will see you guys soon here at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2019. <laughs>
broadcast is part of the IC Robots radio network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long.